dead in the water. Ball slips her by six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll be taking a look at some more of the newest names to enter the NBA draft, the newest updates in the in the transfer portal, and then later I'll also be giving out my 2021 Paul's NBA Awards, as well as so much more. So I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, jam-packed episode tonight. It's me, completely me. All my takes on the NBA, all my takes on college basketball. Uh, for the that I've you know kind of pushed off the last couple of weeks, we've had a few, a few good guests. We've had DJ Mad Max on last week. We had uh, Hank uh, Hank and Dichter on the week before to talk some NBA some NBA hoops. And speaking of Hank, we got him right here. That Dame jersey. That Dame jersey. Got the Damian Lillard jersey. I, you know, I'm giving out my 2021 NBA awards, so I kind of, you know, I had to throw him on. He's in the MVP race, but had a few good guests on the last few weeks, and this this episode is going to be catching up on, you know, all the news and everything that's going on. So I hope everybody's doing well. And first off, you know, we got to jump into uh, the NBA playoff picture. So we're down to the final week of the season. There's only. The, from a week from yesterday will be the final day of the season. Uh, then the NBA season will be completely coming to an end. Um, the regular season, that is. And then the playoffs, the play-in tournament will start, and the playoffs will start after that. And every team's got about four or five games left, most having only four games this this upcoming week, but some have five uh, remaining. And the, the standings, are very interesting looking right now. So we'll go through them a little bit just to look at what the playoff picture looks like as of right now. So, you know, you got the seven through 10 is the play is the play in tournament. And for anybody who is confused about the play in tournament and how that's going to work, um, the seven, the seven, eight, nine, 10 will do, we'll do a play in tournament round Robin play in tournament and the win, the two, Two teams advance as the seven and eights, and then two teams are eliminated. So it gives basically the nine t- seed and the ten seed an opportunity to try to uh, to uh, make the playoffs. You know, even without the season going, without the season being over. So this, what happens is the seven will play the eight. The winner of that game automatically gets the seven seeds. One game, winner automatically gets the seven seed. Then the nine will play the ten, and the winner of that game advances. The loser of that game is done. They're completely done. And the, the winner of nine versus 10 will play the loser of seven versus eight. And the winner of that game gets the eight seed. So basically 
the seven seed and the eight seed both have an upper hand. They both have to lose twice um, and only have to win once in order to make it to the playoffs. And the nine and 10 are at a bit of a disadvantage. They have to win twice and they can't lose. They lose once they're done. So they're, so they have much more of a tight wire um, in order to get into the playoffs. But I think I love it personally. You know, we do, we've seen a few superstars in the league that, you know, have uh, cried about it. And that's, that's more of being a sore loser than anything else, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, the But in the Eastern Conference right now, the Sixers still sit at the number one seed. They're 47-21, and they've pretty much wrapped up the one seed as far as I'm concerned. They get there's uh, they have five – they have four games left. They need two wins to completely lock up the one seed, and they have a three-game lead over the Nets right now who are at two. And the Bucks are in third at three and a half games back. So the Nets and Bucks are right on top of each other. You know, people don't realize the Nets might be the three seed um, if they don't watch themselves. They haven't played well the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're st- they still don't have James Harden. Their injury issues, you know, have been difficult. James Harden should be coming back soon. Hopefully, they'll have Harden, Durant, and Kyrie next week all healthy for the start of the playoffs regardless of what seed they're getting. They're not falling past three, but three is the worst they can do. The Bucks still have an opportunity of getting two. Sixers are pretty much wrapped up number one. The Knicks are still at four right now. They're nine games back, so let's go Knicks right now. Um, there's, they've, they're still sitting at four at 38 and 30. They're nine games back. The Hawks are 10 games back at five, and the Heat are uh, 10 games back at six. So the Hawks and the Heat right now are tied at 37-31, the Hawks have the tiebreaker, though. So the Hawks are sitting at five right now. The Knicks have a small margin for error. Um, they only have four games left in the season this week. I think if they win two of the four, they pretty much wrap up the four seed. But I, they still could fall down to six. They pretty much – all they got to do is win one game, and they're not going to be in the playing tournament. So the, the Knicks have – are almost locked into not having to play in the playing tournament because the Celtics are the seventh seed right now as the first playing team and they're 12 games back. The Knicks are nine games back. So with four games left, they have a three game lead over the Celtics. So the play-ins right now, the seventh seed is the Celtics who are 12 games back. Eight seed is the Hornets who are 14 games back. Then the nine seed is the Wizards who have been red hot. Russell Westbrook has been ridiculous again this year. He's going to end up averaging another triple-double this season and what's even more incredible is he's going to be averaging 11 plus assists and 11 plus rebounds too in this triple-double. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I hate hate all these arguments about Russell Westbrook, you know, being a stat pattern and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's it's just not true. It's just not true. Like, you got you to gotta stop with that. He's a, a superb player. Everybody's got to just appreciate what he's doing as a point guard, the extreme athleticism, the, and, what he's, and he's winning, too. You know, that's the thing. Like, the Wizards are 32-36 and 36 now after that horrible start they got off to. 32-36 and 36 is a great record for the Wizards. If you remember um, a couple months ago when they were dreadful, they were at the bottom of the East. Um I think even as far as 10 to 15 games under 500. Now they're only four games under and Bradley Beal has been great. And also look at the supporting cast. The wizards have, I mean, Westbrook and Beal have carried that team. Like the two of them have carried the workload as much as anybody in this league has for an entire team. And then the Pacers who have completely underperformed this year should have been a winning team. They're 31 and 36. They're going to end up finishing under 500 unless they win out. They could, they could finish 36 and 36. 
they could finish exactly 500, but that's the best that they can do. They're 15 and a half games back um, in the 10 spot right now. So as of right now, the Celtics will play the Hornets uh, in the seven versus eight, and the Wizards will play the Pacers in the nine versus 10. In the hunt right now, we got the Bulls who are 18 games back. The Bulls are all, are all but finished, really, is the truth. Uh, they're two and a half games. They're, uh, they're two and a half games behind the 10th place Pacers. So all the Pacers have to do is win two games and the Bulls have to lose one and the Bulls are done. The Bulls only have four games left and they have to pick up two and a half games in four games. So it's pretty much over for them. They're going to end up being at the odd man out. Um, They're not really, they're still technically in the hunt, but it's pretty much over the 10 playoff teams, at least the 10 play in slash playoff teams in the East are for the most part set. So it's going to be interesting. The Celtics have fell a lot, so they're going to they're sitting in the plane right now. So as it goes right now, the Sixers are the one, Nets are two. The Bucks will play the Heat in the first round, three versus six, and the Knicks will play the the Hawks in four versus five. And the Celtics play the Hornets. Winner gets the seven seed. Loser takes on the winner of Wizards versus Pacers to see who gets the eight seed. So that's how it goes. And then in the West. Uh, the Jazz and Suns still remain at the top. The Jazz have only four games left, and they have a two-game lead over the Suns, so pretty comfortable. They all they have to do is win two games, um, and that's pretty much. And then they pretty much lock it up. Uh, the Suns are forty-eight and twenty there at the two seed, and the Suns have pretty much wrapped up the two seed. The Jazz and Suns are going to be your one and, one and two in the West. Whichever way it is, even if it's the Suns one, Jazz two, because the Suns are two games back and the Clippers are in third, five games back. And the Clippers uh, and Suns both only have four games left and there's a three game difference. So, most more than likely, uh, we'll see that happening. Bucks beat the Nets twice last week. Yes, they did. Uh, the Nets fell a bunch last week. Hayward against his former team got to think he has the inside scoop on Boston if that matchup were to happen. I would think so. Um, I, that actually, you know, to be honest with you, that's a good point, Tom. That's a really good point. Tom's going to have a review and preview. I didn't even think about that. That didn't even cross my mind when I saw Horns versus Celtics uh, that Hayward would be playing against his old team. But that's that that would be intriguing. That would be really good. I'm going to agree to disagree. Russell is great, but I think his bricklaying is easily my biggest issue with him. Yeah, Hank's not much of a uh, Russell Westbrook fan at all. Um, they, I know that, but it's, you know, I'm going to have to agree or disagree with you, bud. But so back into the West, uh, the Clippers are at the three right now. They're five games back. The Nuggets are in four. They're six games back. So they're all those teams are right on top of each other. But the Mavericks are at five right now, 10 games back. So the Mavericks can't really move up. They're going to have to play a road series uh, in the in the first round. But the Blazers are sixth with 11 games back. And the play-in, the Lakers are still in the play-in right now. They're the seventh seed, 38 and 30. They're 12 games back, but they're only one game behind the Blazers. And both teams have only four games left. And there's a one-game difference. So this week is huge. The Knicks play the Lakers tomorrow night. LeBron can, it might potentially return from his injury. And they're going to need him back. LeBron's going to have to, you know, it's it's – it's been a long time since we've seen um, LeBron needing to play meaningful games at the end of a regular season, but he's going to have to because if they want to avoid this playing game, they're going to have to win three or three or win out to ensure that they don't get the play in because they're they're a game behind the Blazers and two games behind the Mavs for fifth. I mean, they can jump as far up to five. But no matter what, they're going to be on the road in the first round. You know, they're going to be uh, 
they're going to be one of the lower seeds. But as of right now, play-in is Lakers with 12 games back. The Warriors are 15 games back. They're pretty much a lock to be in the play-in at eight. Uh, the Grizzlies are the nine seed. They're 15 and a half games back, only a half game behind the Warriors. They can overlap the Warriors and jump into that eight spot, which would be very interesting. Then the Spurs are 32 and 35. They're 17 and a half games back. They're pretty much locked into the 10, but still in the hunt, though. The Pelicans are only 19 games back, only a game and a half behind the Spurs with four games left for that 10 spot. And the Kings, too, are still technically in the mix. They're two and a half games behind the Spurs for the 10 spot. So the Pelicans and Kings are still on the outside looking in. Um, there's there's no doubt that they're going to try to make an all-out push. This final week of the – see, this is what I love about this play-in tournament. It makes this final week of the NBA season even more meaningful because no one wants to play in this play-in tournament. And why would you? You know, the, if especially if you're the Lakers, too, why would you want to play in this playing tournament? Say you get upset by um, the Grizzlies, and then you got then you got to go win a game just to make the playoffs when you have when you're the defending champions. Like, come on, that's a, I think it's a great format, and it makes the end of the NBA regular season a lot more entertaining. A lot of there's a lot of people out there that don't care at all about the NBA regular season. They start tuning in once the playoffs begin. And this play-in tournament is going to make people a lot more interested in um, the in the play-in tournament. So, so that's good. It's going to make people a lot more interested to see how the regular season wraps up. I should say. So now jumping from the NBA, we're going to get back to the NBA in a little bit for my NBA awards. But let's jump into some college basketball headlines. Um, got some new names to enter the NBA draft. Well, since we've had um, a few episodes that we haven't gone over. There are last three episodes, I believe, I haven't gone over the recent players to enter the draft. So these are the last guys who have entered in the last few weeks um, since the last time I updated everybody. The first one is Corey Kisbert, uh, Gonzaga senior. He's going to forego his final year of eligibility. Everyone expected that potential lottery pick. He's ranked number 11 in my top 100. Uh, he's going He's going all in and will be in the NBA draft. Franz Wagner, who from Michigan, brother of Mo Wagner, he potential lottery pick as well. He's ranked 16 in my top 100. He's declared for the draft, and he's he was only a sophomore at Michigan. He'll forego his eligibility and join the NBA. the The first uh, European guy, the for, well, the first overseas player, I should say, to declare for the for this year's NBA draft, Josh Giddy, small forward from Australia. He's ranked number 22 in my top 100, and he is a guy to look out for everybody because he's a he's a tall guard. He's a t- he's a tall, small forward that can handle the ball. He's got insane athleticism, great playmaking skills, and they think he could be an NBA player. And he's gone. He was down in second rounds, and he's flying all the way up to close to the lottery now. So it'll be interesting to see how far this guy will even jump. But right now, he's ranked 22 for me. Jason Preston, who was the breakout star for the Ohio Bobcats that picked off uh, Virginia in the tournament this year. Uh, he's going to declare for the draft while maintaining his eligibility to potentially return for a senior year at Ohio. Uh, he's ranked 44 in my top 100. So I've got him as a six, as a second round pick Macy Oteague sharpshooting senior from Baylor. He will forego his, his extra year of eligibility and he'll join enter the NBA draft. He's ranked number 60 McKinley, Wright The fourth point guard from Colorado who's also a senior, will forego his last his extra year of eligibility. He's ranked number 67. Interesting one that just came out yesterday, Max Eastmas, point guard for Oral Roberts, breakout player in this year's tournament uh, for the team that was the, the story of the tournament. He led the entire nation in scoring this year. Um, he 
has entered the NBA draft while maintaining his eligibility. So for it to potentially return for a junior year at Oral Roberts, he, he has not entered the transfer portal, which some people were interested to see. He's ranked number 68 on my top 100. Uh, I've seen him as high as ranked 30. ES, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN has his ranked 30 late first round right now. If that's the case, he's he's staying in the draft. If he can be a late first round pick, but I have him ranked 68. Orlando Robinson, who's a mid-major guy to watch out for from Fresno State, big man. Uh, he's a sophomore. He's going to declare while maintaining his eligibility. He is ranked number 69. Jalen Crutcher, who was the Robin to Obi Toppin's Batman for that Dayton Flyers team over the last couple of years. He was a senior this year at Dayton Point Guard. Uh, he's going to forego his final year of eligibility, and he's going to declare for the draft. Ranked number 97 in my top 100, and star for the West Virginia Mountaineers. They're uh, big man down low, power forward, Derek Culver Jr. He's going to forego his, his final years of eligibility. He's ranked number 100 in my top 100. So those are the extra guys uh, who are – who have jumped in to the NBA draft over the last few days. It's very difficult to keep track of them. And the deadline to declare for the NBA draft is May 30th. So with that being said, um, they, we only have, that means there's only a few weeks for guys who are undecided to declare. Basically everybody has decided, but there's four big names to watch out for that have still not made a decision yet. And this is, this is a, not, this is a decision that's not been made. It's not been whether, whether they want to go back to school, just it has not, they have not said a word. Jared Butler from Baylor has not said a word yet. He's ranked number 24 in my top 100. I think he's a first round pick Greg Brown, who is a power, who is a big man freshman from Texas. He's right. Re- he's projected a late first round pick. He hasn't said anything yet. Drew Timmy, Big man for Gonzaga. He has not said anything yet. He's projecting the second round for most people. And McCure Maker, too. Everybody forgets about him because Howard canceled their season this year. Uh, big man was a five-star recruit. Shocked everybody and chose to go to the famous HBCU, Howard University. I thought that that was an awesome move. You know, I thought it was – I always love seeing – these big recruits decide to go to like smaller to more mid-major schools, try to put them on the map and stuff. I love seeing that, but sadly we didn't get really watch any Howard basketball this year because they only, because they only played in two games and then maker himself as well as a bunch of his teammates got COVID. And then they basically had to, um, had to sit out. They ended up not being able to field a team and they decided to opt out of the season completely. And Drew Timmy will stay. I absolutely agree, Tom. I'm just waiting. I'm honestly just waiting to hear it. Uh, he'll put out an official word eventually before the May 30th deadline, but I, nobody expects him to even test the draft waters. You know, he he could throw his name in there and test it while maintaining his eligibility and then inevitably come back. But it, he's most likely just going to say that he's going to return because you because Gonzaga is going to be on a revenge tour next year and he want he's going to want to be part of that and he doesn't have much of a draft stock right now so i think another big year at gonzaga could propel him into the first round of 2022 but that's just my opinion so the deadline to declare for the draft is may 30th the nca set the nba draft withdrawal deadline to july 7th so basically players who declared while maintaining their eligibility have from may 30th to july 7th to be in the draft by July 7th, they have to either go back to school or say that they're going completely into the draft. The draft is July 29th. 
and the combine takes place June 21st to 27th. So players who declare will maintain their eligibility can compete in the combine from June 21st to 27th and then have till July 7th to decide if they're going back to school or if they're going to see, uh, forego their college eligibility and maintain in the draft. And now jumping into the transfer portal, got a few interesting, a couple of interesting names, I should say, over the past week that uh, has sparked some attention. First one is C.J. Frederick from Iowa transferring to Kentucky. I thought this was an interesting move. We heard that Kentucky was in on him. He was the sharpshooter for the Iowa Hawkeyes this season, uh, averaged 47.4% from three. He averaged 48.3% from three his freshman year. He's a sophomore this year. Uh, and Kentucky's always at their best when they have a sharpshooter somewhere, whether it's starting or coming off the bench. You know, you we've always seen that. And this is, this is a perfect guy to kind of – uh, balance out the team. I think the Wildcats are going to be good next year. You know, they had a down year this year, but they have been fierce on the transfer portal. They've been fierce in landing some five-star recruits for this upcoming year. They're not going to do what they did last year at all. They're going to bounce back. I fully believe, and they're going to be a competitive team. And CJ Frederick is going to be one big part of it. Um, I, I, I liked him at Iowa. I thought he was a good piece. He was more of a background piece behind, uh, you know, behind Garza, Wieskamp, and Bohannon, um, and McCaff in the McCaffrey brothers, he was kind of like the other guy. Came off the bench, shot threes, but it's, but he's a he's a good addition. Um, and I was going to struggle, I think, with without him because he would have had an increased role this year. And another guy who entered the transfer portal but hasn't hasn't completely transferred yet is Musa Cisse. So most people, a lot of college basketball fans probably don't even know who Musa Cisse is. The average fan doesn't probably, but he was a five-star freshman this last year. He was ranked number 24 in the ESPN top 100. Uh, he was one of the top recruits in the nation this past year, and he decided to go to Memphis and did not play that well in Memphis. Your Memphis struggled a lot. As we saw, they ended up not making the tournament, uh, but he was the big freshman that they had coming into the into this um into the team this year. And he only averaged 6.6 points, 6.3 rebounds and 1.6 blocks. And now, and he was actually one of the first guys to enter his name into the NBA draft. Once their season was over, he's just testing the wires, going to see if he's going with mall maintaining his eligibility, but he actually just recently entered the transfer portal too. So he will not be returning to Memphis. It's going to be interesting. I think, a ton of teams because of his talent and his uh he's there's no way he's staying in the NBA draft. He's got no NBA draft stock. He was a top recruit, but he had a terrible year this year. So so why stay in? Um he's gonna end he, he I expect him to transfer somewhere. We'll see where it is. Uh it's why one, one of the big schools are going to attract him though, I think. And he's gonna have to be one of those guys that stays a few years and then maybe gets drafted, but Musa Sise has entered the draft and has entered the draft a while ago and he's also entered the transfer portal. And I also saw today Booth Gotch from Minnesota. Um, he entered the transfer portal as well. Yeah, if anybody remembers him, he was, you know, the kind of the three and D guy wing that uh that played for the Gophers this year. You know, they underwhelmed Richard Patino got fired, Marcus Carr is in the transfer portal. Uh they they kind of gone completely downhill. So so he decided to bounce as well. Jamal Mashburn Jr. uh transferred from uh 
Minnesota to New Mexico, where Richard Pitino was the new head coach at. So he followed Richard Pitino. Richard Pitino got fired in Minnesota, took the New Mexico job, and Jamal Mashburn Jr. left Minnesota and wants to go play for Pitino now down at, down in New Mexico. So I think that was interesting. Um, definitely a funny move. Ah, uh, three and D guy. I see how you snuck that in. LOL, good show, Paul. Go Wizards. Love and Marty. That's uh, Marty join us of the Interceptor Lunch Podcast. He was on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had a good one. I always try. I always try to throw that in there. You know, I if if you can't tell, I'm a big fan of three and D players. You know, they're kind of like the the mold of uh, a good NBA team, a good a good basketball team in general, a good foundation. So. That's that's kind of like why I wanted to name my show that. I think thought it was a you know good name for a show. But now that the college talk is over, it is time for Paul's 2021 NBA awards. Paul's 2021 NBA award show. So I'm going to be handing out my MVP, my Sixth Man of the Year, my Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, uh, my All NBA First Team, All Five Guys I got. My all, all my all NBA second team, all NBA third team, all defensive first team, all defensive second team, all rookie first team, and all rookie second team. So I got I got the entire list going on here. So you know, draw drop a comment if you don't like one of the picks. Would love to debate. This is going to be a great se- segment. I'm really looking forward to this. So we'll jump right in it. And the one that it's we're going to start with the one that everybody wants to hear of course but before before we do anything these are my personal these aren't necessarily who i think is going to win because coach of the year i'll say tell you like a little hint coach of the year is i don't think this guy's going to win but he sh- i think he should win you know these are my nba awards most for the most part they're they're, they're my most of them are who i think is going to win the award but some of them and i'll tell you which ones are which are guys that i think deserve it but not necessarily think we'll win it so need to get some water and now we'll jump right in it so mvp the one that everybody wants to know is nikola Jokic. uh Jokic has had a ridiculous season averaging 26.4 points 10.8 rebounds and 8.5 assists as a center and i've said it so many times on this show how this is possibly the best passing big man we've ever seen in NBA history. Uh, I know Nick Wright went on his show the other day and said, you know, uh, Nikola Jokic will be the worst MVP that we've had in 35 years if he wins. Like, like just uh, something, just a dumb comment, honestly, I think. But, you know, he's, Jokic is a winner. Denver's in fourth place right now. They were a little bit higher. That's good enough to win MVP. You got to be in like the top four to win MVP in your conference. Uh, you can't be any further than that. I don't think Denver's pushing it with the four. Uh, that that would be the only thing that does, that holds him back from winning. And then my runners up are Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Joel Embiid is a very very close second. The only thing I would probably have Embiid as the MVP um, if he didn't get hurt for a short for that period of time it's averaging 29.2 points 10.7 rebounds 2.9 assists and 1.4 blocks and philly is in first place in the east and they're going to end up getting first place too brooklyn will not catch up to them more than likely won't catch up to them and neither will milwaukee so they're going to wrap up first place in the east so and so if it's not nikola Jokic, i think it's going to be Embiid. 
but I think it's going to be Nikola Jokic, and he's also my MVP. And Giannis is in third. Giannis is arguably having a better season this year, and I'm, I dare say it, he's arguably having a better season this year than he had his previous two MVP seasons. The only reason why he won't get real consideration is because of MVP fatigue. Uh, the voters won't vote him in a third straight year. just won't happen. We never see that happen, even if he deserves it. He's his numbers are right up there with Jokic and B 28.2 points, 11.2 rebounds, 5.9 assists, 1.3 blocks and 1.2 steals. And Milwaukee's in third place too. If maybe if Milwaukee was ahead of the Nets and the Sixers in first place, he would be even further up, but because of voter fatigue, he's not going to, he's not going to end up getting his third straight MVP. It's just not going to happen. Everybody knows it. Even if he, unless he were averaging 35 points a game and 15 rebounds a game, you know, putting up like Elgin Baylor numbers or something like that, uh, that would be the only way he would get it. But his numbers are in the same realm as MB. So you can even argue his numbers are better than MB. He's averaging more rebounds, more assists, and 0.1 less blocks and more steals than MB. But the Phillies in first place, Milwaukee's in third, and Giannis is one of the last two. So Embiid will get a better look. And Jokic um, has been the iron horse of that Nuggets team. So that's going that's why he's the MVP. Definitely now, too, he's a bulldozer without Murray. Absolutely agree. I still think Steph's a great MVP choice, but with that being said, I can't argue with Jokic. He's been great. Absolutely agree, Hank. I uh, Steph would be a legitimate MVP candidate if the Warriors weren't in 10th place or 9th place, I think. Actually, 8th place, but falling to 9th place right now. If if they were if they were in the top four in the West, he'd be a legitimate candidate because of the season he's having. But his, Steph Curry's name will pop up in, my, in a later award. Now we'll jump over to 6th Man of the Year, the award that not too many people care about. But my 6th Man of the Year is Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz. And my runners-up are not going to be... I decided I chose two runners up that uh, are two guys that are really not being looked at that much, but I think have had great season. Bobby Portis and Hamadou Diallo. Bobby Portis of the Milwaukee Bucks and Hamadou Diallo, who spent time with the Thunder and the Pistons this year. Um, and but both of those guys have primarily had bench roles the entire season, gotten almost no starts. Same with Clarkson, but Jordan Clarkson is your sixth man of the year. I, this is an award that I not only think Jordan Clarkson is the sixth man of the year, but I think he's going to win it because. He's he's kind of run away with it. He's averaging 17.7 points off the bench, four rebounds, two and a half assists for the best team in the NBA while shooting 34.4% from the three-point. He's a lethal scorer. He's going to end up getting the award. There's no doubt about that. And Bobby Portis has had a great season, averaging 11.4 points and 7.1 rebounds off the bench for the Bucks. And Hamadou Diallo is averaging 11.4 points, 5.1 rebounds, 1.9 assists, and shooting 36.5% from three. This is really his breakout season in his third NBA season, Hamadou Diallo. Um, he kind of fell. He was a big he was a big prospect out of Kentucky, but he kind of fell and wasn't really doing much in the NBA. This was kind of his breakout season. He's set to be a restricted free agent, too, after this year. So this was the perfect year for him to break out and do that. He'll probably get a solid contract from somebody, um, even if Detroit decides to match whatever contract he gets. Uh, that's what it's going to be. But sixth man of the year is going to be Jordan Clarkson. And this is another award that I think is going not I only I don't not only think that this guy deserves it, I think that it is going to happen. Rookie of the year is going to be Anthony Edwards from Minnesota. And LaMelo Ball and Emmanuel Quickly will be your runners up. Um I gave 
everybody knows it's really a two-man race for Rookie of the Year. It's between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. Two of them have been by far the two best rookies this season. You know, you could throw James Wiseman would have been my third uh, if he didn't get hurt. He's, he's you know, missed the last few weeks and is going to miss the rest of the season uh, with that injury. But Anthony Edwards is my Rookie of the Year only because LaMelo got hurt. But Edwards has also been on a tear these past few weeks, and he's averaging 18.9 points, 4.8 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 1.1 steals as a rookie. Um, fantastic stats, almost averaging 20 points a game. LaMelo, though, is averaging 16.6.2 assists, 5.8 rebounds, and 1.6 steals while shooting 36% from three. So those two have had ridiculous uh, rookie seasons. It's going to be one or the other. I think it's going to be Anthony Edwards because LaMelo got hurt. That's what's going to end up hurting him. Um, and Edwards has played the entire season and has been dominant, especially scoring. So I think that I think Edwards is going to end up winning it. Um, and then I just threw him quickly there because I do think he's been the third best rookie. You know, try not to have some Knicks bias out here, but you know, thirty nine point seven percent from three is rookie year. Eleven point seven points off the bench. He hasn't even, he hasn't started at all for the Knicks this year. Two point two rebounds, two point one assists. Um, it's it's really, it's really remarkable what he's done and what's and how little recognition he got going into the draft too, um, and how he was able to turn that, turn that into something. And um, yeah, so quickly is my number three, and uh, Lamelo is my number two, and Anthony Edwards is my number one. So. That's going to, that's my rookie of the year rank right there. And now jumping from rookie of the year, we'll go to defensive player of the year. Now, defensive player of the year, this this one is not only one of the person I think's going to think should win it, but also who I think is going to win it. And that's Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh Ben Simmons has been a lockdown defender all season. He's one of the elite defenders in the NBA. Uh he's I think he's going to end up winning it. There's so much hype around him right now, especially with Philly being the number one seed in the East. He has been dominant. And Rudy Gobert has already won two Defensive Player of the Years. And Miles Turner is my other runner-up. He's he's had a ridiculous season, averaging 3.4 blocks a game this year. Only reason why he's not going to get real consideration is because he's hurt and he's going to miss the rest of the season. Um, injuries are going to end up affecting it, but I don't think he was going to win. Gobert is a close second, but I think Ben Simmons is going to end up winning it. Ben Simmons has been the all-around best defender in my eyes in the entire NBA. And I'm not even a huge Ben Simmons fan, but you got to give him his props on the defensive end because he's been he's outstanding. Yeah, a lockdown defender, great perimeter defender, great low post defender. He does uh, he basically does everything you need a guy. Um, on the on the defensive end to do, Miles Turner is what I would call a hog. It's well said, Tom. That's well said. I like that. He definitely is a hog. Miles Turner is a beast down low, and he you know kind of put himself on the map this year, averaging basically three and a half blocks a game this year uh, until he got hurt. So that's my defensive player of the year is Ben Simmons. I think he's also going to end up winning it. So there you go. And now for the final individual award, and then we'll jump into my all NBA teams. I got coach of the year. Now this is who I think should win coach of the year. It's not who it's my personal choice of who should win coach of the year. It's not who I necessarily think is going to end up winning. It's because I think somebody is different, play, different coach is going to end up winning it. 
Coach of the year is Tom Thibodeau of the New York Knicks. Uh, he's not going to end up winning it probably because the Knicks are only the four seed and you got Quinn Snyder and Monty Williams who are my two runners up who are, you know, coaching the two best teams in the, uh, the Western conference right now. The what's and you can't knock what Quinn Snyder and Monty Williams have done. They're both ex- outstanding coaches, absolutely outstanding. Quinn Snyder has turned that Jazz team from a contender into a powerhouse, and they're going to be a tough. They're going to be. They're the best team in the NBA this year. And Monty Williams too. What he's done with that Suns team too, after taking over last year uh, in the bubble and having them win ten straight games, and they still didn't make the playoffs. And then to jump into this season after training for Chris Paul, only really adding Chris Paul and Jay Crowder to this team, and they jump from being a, a having a losing record to the second best team in the West is incredible. Monty Williams has completely turned this Suns team around. Uh, they needed somebody to put them over the edge. They already had a fit. Uh, piece with but a good piece with booker they added chris paul and i'll go into more depth chris paul is also in my opinion the biggest winner in nba history that has never won a championship that's um i've come to that conclusion chris paul is outstanding we obviously he's got a few years left Suns are going to be a two c in the west this year they could possibly win the championship this year you never know but chris paul is possibly by far the the biggest um, the biggest winner in NBA history that has never won a championship. And, uh, but, but jumping back into what this award is coach of the year is Tom Thibodeau, because he's turned a team that is almost completely similar to last year uh, to with the same core from a 30 games under 500 team to fourth seed in the east like it's out it's absolutely outstanding and you watch if you watch nick's basketball it is a hundred percent how well they're coached you know julius randall has thrived this year and has become the player he's become because of his head coach and a lot of it has to do with their head coaching obviously players got to go out there and play so you got to give it to some of the players too like they've had career years you know there's been so many great players and stuff but thibodeau is an amazing coach and he's gone in there since day one and He's a winner too, Tom Thibodeau. He doesn't lose where he goes. You know, he doesn't, he hasn't won an NBA championship yet, but he, everywhere he's gone, he, he always wins. And, you know, people take the dysfunction that he had in Minnesota as, you know, possibly a red flag for, you know, for him ever coaching again. But, you know, we saw what he did in Chicago and what he's doing with the Knicks now. He's an ex- outstanding head coach. And for, when you're talking about, the best coach of this entire the entire NBA, I gotta say, is probably Tom Thibodeau this season because of how he flipped this Knicks team into a fourth seed in the East and going from they haven't made the playoffs since 2013 to hosting a playoff series with an eerily identical roster to what they had last season when they were 30 games under 500 under David Fisdale and Mike Miller. Like, it's just, it's incredible. You can only... Uh, you can only associate it with the head coach. You know, they added Emmanuel quickly. That's about it. That's about it. They, they added Emmanuel quickly. Alec Burks has been good. He's been hard a little bit, but you look at even the starting five, you know, it's like Julius Randall, Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel, they added, which was big. Uh, Taj Gibson was on the team last year. Um, Reggie Bullock was on the team last year. Alfred Payton was on the team last year. RJ Baird was on the team last year. Um, They, they were all the key pieces were so, what he's done with this team is absolutely incredible. He is my coach of the year. 
he's not going to end up winning it because the Knicks are only the fourth in the in the East, and you know Quinn Snyder has been ridiculous with the Jazz this year. Monty Williams has been ridiculous with the Suns this year. This year, realistically, I think Monty Williams might might win it. Um, eh. I think you know. I keep going back and forth. I said, I even said a little while ago that I think Quinn Snyder is going to make it. And I, now I'm thinking about it. And I think Mike William Monty Williams is going to make it. Is going to win it. It's going to be one of those two though. But it's, uh, I'll have to really go in depth to think about think about who's going to win it. But it's, it's probably going to be one of those two. But it's, it should be Thibodeau in my opinion. So we'll have. So now as we go through my all NBA teams, we'll have each of my awards that I gave out tickered on the bottom for anybody just tuning in who missed with the awards that I gave out. Um, after I reveal each of my teams, I'll have it tickered the team that I just revealed ticker through the bottom as I reveal the next team. So now we'll jump in to my pick for the all NBA first team. And this is tough because obviously, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of, there's a lot of great choices, you know, and there's going to be a lot of, there's going to have to be snubs no matter what, when you're making some all NBA teams, I feel like, I feel like throughout my all, throughout all three of my NBA, my all NBA teams, I have fit, I was able to fit in everybody who I think is the most deserving, the 15 guys who I think deserve the all NBA nods. I think I was able to fit that in, but whichever team they're on is uh, kind of interesting. So we'll start off with the guards. Uh, Damian Lillard, you got to put it in Portland, averaging 28.6 points a game, 7.6 assists, 4.2 rebounds. Portland, once again, is a playoff team. They're trying to stay out of the uh, the play-in. This would be Lillard's sixth All-NBA team and his second All-NBA first team. Um, I have him. And I have Steph Curry as the other guard. Uh, I know they're both point guards and usually point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. But I think, you know, you could squeeze these two in. Both of these guys need to be on your All-NBA first team. They've been the two best guards in the league this year. Uh, Curry's averaging 31.9 points. He's probably going to win the scoring title. He's still got a little bit of a lead against Beal with only a few games left. Uh, and I, you know, after all the injuries he had to go through, it's absolutely amazing. Shooting 42.9% from three, he'll most likely uh, surpass Ray Allen for uh, his three-point record next season. I believe. He, I think he's only. He. I don't think he's very far away. I have to relook at the stats. If, um, he, but in the next season or two, he's going to become the NBA's all-time three-point leader. So, he's got to make it. This would be his seventh All-NBA team and his fourth first team. So then the forwards, um, Luka Doncic from Dallas. Uh, he's one of my forwards. I know people consider him a point guard, um, puts up great assist stats, and he's a ball handler and stuff. I still kind of consider him a small forward and uh, with the way he plays, and I think that a lot of people will probably do the same, and I think he'll make it as a forward. He's averaging 28.2 points. Dallas has had another great season this year. They're sitting at five, I believe, right now in the West. Uh, 8.7 assists, eight rebounds, one steal, 35.4% from three. And this will be his second straight year being an all NBA first team. Uh, last year was his first all-star season. This is only his third year in the league and it'll be his second all NBA first team. So that'd be incredible. Uh, and then the other forward will be Giannis Antetokounmpo. You cannot have him in. Giannis has been incredible. We went over his stats. This would be his fifth all NBA team and his third first team. And my center would be Nikola Jokic. So that'd be my that's my all NBA first team. Uh Jokic, I think, is going to end up winning MVP. But 
it's going to come down to whoever um, wins the MVP because if Embiid wins MVP, he'll be all NBA first team as a center and Jokic will be all NBA second team. If, in my opinion, if Jokic is the winning MVP, Jokic will be all NBA first team and uh, Embiid will be all NBA second team. So that's why I've, so I've Embiid in my all NBA second team just because you can only take one center. So I'll have that take her through the bottom now and we'll jump into my all NBA second team. So a few, so a few interesting things I had to think about with this second team. Um, recent surges, kind of how well guys are playing, uh, and you know, impacts on how great teams are. So first off, my guards, uh, Russell Westbrook, I got from the Wizards. I was not going to have him make any of my All NBA teams, but what he's done in the past week or two. And how he's going to average another triple-double this season, you cannot put him in. He's averaging 22 point points, 11.6 rebounds, 11.5 assists, 44.1% from, from the, the field, too. For people who say that he, uh, you know, he shoots bricks, he's shooting 44% from the field, which isn't amazing, but it's also not terrible. It's not like he's shooting under 40%. This would be his 10th All-NBA team, his sixth second team. He's made a lot of second teams. So I got Westbrook on my second team. The other guard in my second team would be James Harden. Um, If James Harden didn't get hurt, I still think it would be difficult to put him on the first team over Lillard or Curry in the guards, but he would would make a, a real case for himself, averaging 25.2 points, 10.9 assists, eight rebounds. You know, he had a little bit of a fiasco at the beginning of the season with the Rockets, then got traded to Brooklyn and has been a workhorse, became the point guard for them, and has completely turned his game from having to be ball dominant into a real playmaker. And he would be on my All-NBA second team. This would be his first second team ever. It would be his eighth All-NBA team, though. So he's mostly only made All-NBA first team but I got him on the second team. And then the forwards, I got Kawhi Leonard of the Clippers and LeBron James of the Lakers. Uh, LeBron, I've got on the second team. I don't think there's any shot he makes the first team. I think he either makes second or third team. Um, I could also see him not making a team because of the injuries this year. This is the longest time he's ever missed with injuries. Um, So I wouldn't be shocked. I still put him in my second team, though, because I feel like the voters are going to end up voting him in. He's not going to make the first team because, you know, you got Giannis and Luka as the forwards, and he doesn't deserve to be ahead of them. But in Kawhi Leonard, too, Kawhi's had another sneaky, great all-star season. 25.1 points, 6.5 rebounds, 1.6 steals, shooting almost 40% from three as well, Kawhi. This year, this would be his fifth All-NBA team and his third second team. So he makes a lot of second teams. And LeBron, this would be his 17th All-NBA team. And this would be his third second team. So be interesting. And then my center, as I said before, would be Joel Embiid. Um, he, he, Joel Embiid would des- deserves to be All-NBA first team, but you can only take one center. And strangely enough, you have the top two guys in the MVP race are both centers. So... You know, one of them is going to have to be second place in the MVP race and on the All NBA second team. So that's going to be Joel Embiid, in my opinion. They'll be his third All. They'll be his third second team. He's made three All NBA teams. All of them have been All NBA second teams. Uh, we got Kawhi Leonard, Mister New Balance, love it. You know, you know, I as a diehard Jordan fan, love love Air Jordans. I uh, have a deep collection of Air Jordans and stuff. I, it's, I think it's cool when, you know, these kind of superstars 
take on uh, different companies like New Balance and things like that. So I like that. He was with Jordan, though. He used to be with Jordan. Then his, then his contract expires. So now we'll have second team down the ticker below and jump into the All-NBA third team, so my final team. Um, so there's definitely there's definitely a few snubs, but I really think I layered with my All-NBA third team with the final five guys that I have not mentioned who deserve to make it. So first off with the guards, we got Chris Paul for the Phoenix Suns. He has to make an All-NBA team. What he's done to the Suns team, turning them from an under 500 squad to number two in the West is incredible. You know, he's people are saying he should get MVP consideration. I think it, he possibly should. He's not going to end up winning it, but you should get some consideration. But he'll definitely make one of the All-NBA teams. And I have him in, you know, Westbrook and Harden have just been too dynamic this year. I I can't can't put him on the, ahead of either one of those on the second team, so I had to put him on the third team. This would be his 10th All-NBA team and only his second, third team. So he usually makes first or second when he makes them. And then the other guard would be Bradley Beal. You know, even though the Wizards are going to be a play-in team uh, and might not even make the playoffs altogether, I still have two of their guys in the All-NBA teams just because you cannot take them. I was I was going to have Westbrook be a snub, and I was going to take Beal because Beal, you know, is uh, – is neck and neck right now with uh, Steph Curry for the for the scoring title right now. So you have to have him make an All NBA team. He's averaging thirty one point four points, four point seven rebounds, four point four assists. And for anybody who says he plays no defense, he's also averaging one point two steals. And he's shooting, and as well as scoring thirty one points a game, he's shooting almost fifty percent from the field. And this will be his first All NBA team he's ever made. And then the forwards, I got Zion Williamson will make his debut on the All NBA team. Will make his the All NBA third team with averaging 27 points, 7.2 rebounds. He's been incredible this year, shooting 61% from the field. And Julius Randle, of course, I had to put in my All-NBA third team. Um, Julius Randle, it would be a disgrace if he doesn't make second or third team. I think he could possibly even make second team. I was considering having him be the power forward for the second team instead of LeBron, um, just because LeBron's missed so many games this year. And Randall's averaging 23.9 points, 10.3 rebounds, 5.9 assists shooting 41% from three, like, come on, he's going to average a double-double for the fourth best team in the East. So he, there's no doubt that he d- is deserving to be an all-NBA player. And I think he end up, he will end up being just that. And then my final, all, my final guy on my all-NBA third team, big man. So I decided not to go DeMontis Sabonis. Um, he's probably the biggest snub on the All-NBA teams that I decided not to take, I took Nikola Vucevic. He's been incredible. This will be his first All-NBA team. I think he's deserving. He split the season between Orlando and Chicago. Uh, will most likely not be in the playoffs because Chicago is in the 11th spot right now in the East. He's averaging 23.9 points, 11.6 rebounds, one steal, 41% from three. He's had another incredible season, Vucevic. So I think he's deserving of an All-NBA team. And so that's my... Those are my three all NBA teams for everybody. Uh, we got some more comments. If Durant stayed healthy, would have definitely made a team hundred percent with the way he was going. He would have been probably on my first team. Honestly, uh, probably would have kicked because I had Giannis and Luca, the way KD was going, I might've put Luca on the second team and I might've had him and Giannis as the two forwards on the third, on the first team uh, with the way he was playing how dominant he was, but injuries took him off. And uh, Kyrie got snubbed too. I couldn't fit Kyrie in. 
uh, mainly because if I if I put Kyrie in, I was going to have to take Chris Paul off, and Chris Paul is, it needs to be on an All NBA team for what he's done this year. And I did take a Brooklyn net. I took James Harden. So there you go. And then we got a little fun fact from Thomas Kvetov. Uh, top four teams in the East this year were the bottom four teams five years ago. I did not know that. That's actually really cool. I did not know that. So that's a good that's a good fact right there, Tom. Big shout out to Tom. Um, so I'll have the All NBA third team sticker on the bottom. Now we'll go through my two All Defensive teams, and then my two All Rookie teams, and then that'll be it for my twenty twenty one NBA award show. So now we'll jump into my all defensive first team. Uh, you know, this is, this is always tough because defense sometimes is more of watching a player rather than looking at the stats, you know, like some, some all NBA awards are, um, you really have to watch a guy to know how good of a defender he is. You can look at steals, you can look at blocks, you can look at defensive efficiency st- stats and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times you got to look at how they impact a game on the defensive end and to really know. So by watching a lot of NBA this year, these are this is my all, all defensive first team. Uh, my guards going to be Drew Holiday and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons will win defensive player of the year. Drew Holiday for Milwaukee. He's low-key, possibly... I mean, Ben Simmons is still considered a point guard, but Drew Holiday, besides Ben Simmons, is low-key possibly the best um, defensive guard in the in the entire NBA, I think. He's outstanding. He's such an underrated player. This would be his uh, second All-NBA, All-Defensive first team. And same with Ben Simmons. It would be his second All-Defensive first team, second All-Defensive team in general. Uh, and then my forwards, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I got to add him. He won both MVP and defensive player of the year last year. He's going to be in the mix for defensive player of the year again this year. Um, he's got to be on my all defensive first team. He's been outstanding. This is, would be his fourth all defensive team, his third, first team. He's made one second team, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Of course you have to, he's a perennial all defensive team. This would be his seventh all defensive team in his career. He's on my first team and Rudy Gobert is the center for my all defensive first team. They've been outstanding this year. This this would be um and this will be Gobert's fifth all defensive first team. Uh he's only made five all defensive teams. All of them have been first team. This would be Kawhi Leonard's seventh and it'll be his fourth first team. And so he's made three second teams as well in the mix. So that's my all defensive first team right there. Have those ticker on the bottom. And we'll go through my all defensive second team. Now uh, these guys, kind of the rejects that I didn't have on my first team, but um, the next tier of defensive players, uh, the two guards, I got Marcus Smart from Boston. I got Paul George from the Clippers. Uh, George is a lockdown defender, perennial uh, all-defensive team. This would be his fifth all-defensive team, his third, second team. And Marcus Smart, this will be his third all-defensive team. This would be his first, second team. He's made two all-defensive first teams. Uh, his career. And then my forwards would be Jimmy Butler from Miami and Rishon Holmes from Sacramento. Now this Rishon Holmes is probably my biggest guy I'm trying to put on the map. He's an elite defender, has had a great season all year long for Sacramento as their starting power forward. And he deserves an all defensive nod. Um, insanely you know i think that he even gets the nod over draymond green being at the power forward this would be home's first all defensive team his real this would be Rishon home's first real old um nba award he's ever won 
So that'll be interesting. And Miles Turner, even though he's hurt, has got to be on my all defensive second team uh, as the big man. So from Indiana. So that's that's going to be my all defensive team. Jimmy Butler and Paul George are the two guys who have seen the most all defensive nods. This would be their both of their fifth all defensive teams. Um, and Jimmy Butler. Funny thing is, this would be. Uh, Jimmy Butler's fifth all defensive team, and all of them have been all defensive second team. He's never been all defensive first team. He's been he's a four time all defensive second team. So, be kind of funny to see that. So now, jumping from all defensive, I'll hand out my all rookie teams, and then we'll call quits for the um uh, for my award show. And you know, hope everybody has enjoyed. Obviously, can go back and watch it. We uh. If you're watching it via YouTube um, to check out and, you know, and see how many I get right. I think I'm going to get a good amount right. Don't want to be cocky or anything, but now you can check out my old defensive second team tickering on the bottom. Now let's jump in my old rookie first team. So my old rookie first team, the guards are given uh, the top two, the only two real candidates for rookie of the year, LaMelo ball from Charlotte and Anthony Edwards from Minnesota will be the point guard shooting guard on the all rookie first team. Um, they've been outstanding this year. And then my forwards, Sadiq Bay from Detroit. Uh, he's been great this year. Three and D guy from Villanova, um, averaging over 10 points a game. He's a, he's been great on the defensive end too. He's been starting a bunch this season for the struggling Pistons team. That's been the worst in the East and, uh, Patrick Williams from the Chicago bulls, uh, who was the number four pick in this year's draft. I got him, um, on my all rookie first team. He started all year long for the bulls. He's their starting power forward. Now he's going to be their piece that they build around and he's had a good season. You know, he's hasn't had the gaudiest stats averaging like nine, three and three um, as a full-time starter this year, but he's a, he's an above average young defender. And, you know, I think he's got a lot of old defensive teams uh, in his future too. And James Wiseman, even though he got hurt, will is the center on my all rookie first team. He's by far been the best big man uh, in this rookie class. So got it. So got to give those out have those ticker on the bottom. And now the final class is my old rookie second team. So this one's a little interesting. Got some, uh, got some funny names that a lot of people might not have even, might not even been thinking about. The guards are pretty easy though. Tyrese Halliburton and Emmanuel quickly are the two guards on my old rookie second team. They're pretty obvious. Halliburton's had a great year for the Sacramento Kings this year. Um, as a rookie, he's kind of played the two most of the season since they have De'Aaron Fox. He has he was came, drafted as a point guard, as a big point guard, but he's kind of like more of a shooting guard. And Emmanuel quickly has kind of played more of point guard this year, but he can play shooting guard as well. So you can swap either of them. Quickly is third on my rookie of the year voting, but obviously since he's a guard and both Lamelo and Anthony Edwards are the two guards on the first team, he can't. He's not going to be able to make the first team because since those two guys are going to be on the first team, undoubtedly. Uh, so, so those, so he's going to be on the second team in my opinion. And then the forwards, we got Jay Sean Tate from Houston. Um, Tate went undrafted a few years ago and decided to play overseas for a couple of years and just was signed this off season by Houston from overseas as a rookie, an older rookie, but with the struggling rockets who are at the bottom of the Western conference, he has seen a lot of time and has made the most of it and has become a piece that they might even try to build around. He's been an outstanding player. And I think that he's going to, he's going to end up getting an all rookie second team. And then Isaac Okoro from Cleveland, he started for most of the season for Cleveland. He's more of a small forward, but good defensive player from Auburn. Um, I think that he, 
is going he's going to uh be real be a real consideration for all defensive second team he's got to be um or all rookie second team I'm sorry uh yeah, I think he's got to be a high consideration for that so you know I put him in there too and then Isaiah Stewart is my final player um, and I'll have those guys ticker on the bottom as we finish talking about Isaiah Stewart from the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons have low-key had a very very good draft class this past year. They got Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart, who are two pieces that they can build around. Isaiah Stewart's a big man from Washington. Um, he wasn't really doing much at the beginning of the season, playing the G League a little bit, but now as the season's come down to an end, and Mason Plumlee's been hard a bit, he's been starting most of the games for the Pistons, and he's been playing great. You know, He's got his stats up to around 10-6 a game, for the season and he's going to end up sneaking onto my all rookie second team. I think he's going to end up being the second best um, second team. And wow. Did not know that tape play player existed in the NBA. Interesting choice. Appreciate that. Appreciate that Tom. But yeah, that's um, yeah, Jay Sean Tate, you know, he goes under the radar, especially because he's playing for the Rockets though too. And no, and you know, since Horan got traded, no one really cares about the Rockets. So you really don't check in on them. Not, not really many ba- basketball fans check in on the Rockets that much. So you kind of like don't know who's playing for them. But Jay Sean Tate's been great this year. He really has. So and he's going to make. I think he's undoubtedly going to make an All Rookie team. Um, I th- probably the second team though. But back to Isaiah Stewart. Uh, he's had a great year. Great second half of the season. Has become a starter for Detroit. And as I said, the Pistons. You know, they're the last place in the East. They're completely rebuilding. Um, but they had a good rookie class this year. You know, you have I've got two guys making all rookie teams from them, Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart. Those are two guys that they can build around. And Killian Hayes, too, who was hurt for a while this year. He was their top draft pick this past year. Uh good playmaking point guard. Um, he's got he's got a good NBA potential. You know, he was hurt this year, so he didn't end up doing a ton. But those three guys, you know, is it was a good Pretty solid 2021 draft class, so it'll be a 2020 draft class. So it'll be interesting to see how they attack the draft 2021. And you know, the Pistons are a long way away from uh, being competitive again. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they they attack the rebuild. So I'm definitely excited to see it. Well, thank you everybody for um for tuning into my award show. Uh, you know something I was really looking forward to doing with one with one week left in the season had to bring it out for you but that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode I want to thank everyone who tuned into the review and preview network to watch another episode of the 3 and D and to all those listening via podcast YouTube etc you can also follow me on Twitter where I'm very active at at p underscore smooth underscore three you can also follow my blog where I have full NBA draft coverage as well as a variety of NBA, MLB, and NFL pieces at the Sports World according to Paul.wordpress.com. So everybody can check out my written pieces there. These are my vocal pieces on this show. Those are my written pieces about the my three favorite sports, uh, and especially NBA and college basketball. I hope everyone enjoys their the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday at seven. Have a great night, everyone.